0: My name is Ashley, and this is Let's Talk Dispatch. I do. <laughs> You're going to do it. Do it really well. And I believe the world needs more dispatchers. Last years I'm not working Fourth of July. Fourth of July. <laughs> hey, community I mean, I know. policing, right? What about community mm-hmm. dispatch? So on this show, with the help of my guests, we will educate, empower, and support the heroes behind the headset. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode here on Let's Talk Dispatch with me, Ashley, the raspy dispatcher. Hope you guys are all doing well. Um, I'm definitely one of those people who like to take overtime and, and complain about it. That is me. And then I also complain when there's no overtime <laughs> because I want overtime for the comp time and the money in my pocket, but I want them to pay me and not have me show up. But it doesn't always work like that, though. I keep trying weekly with my supervisor. I haven't gotten them to approve that. So I'm on day five in a row of work. I go in tomorrow for another little morning overtime shift. So I hope you guys are all resting well and hopefully getting paid more money to do the job you normally do. Um, today's guest is a 13 year dispatcher and creator of Latinas of 911. I'm gonna bring her on now, Josephine Rios. Hi,
1: Ashley. hi, Josephine. Hi, hi.
0: how are you? Good, and you? I am good. I am good. You know me, just complaining about you know overtime and working the Maya sign shifts. <laughs> I
2: hear you. We all do you it. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Perfect you know, we got to love technology as dispatchers, you know?
2: (laughs) Yes, we do.
0: One thing I have successfully avoided is manual mode. I have successfully avoided manual mode thus far in my career.
2: (laughs) Well, that's good, but I've actually done it.
0: Oh, no. Not too terrible,
2: but I have done it.
0: You know, at my first agency, we had um, bells on our call-taking side, so when we finish writing out the call we'd ring the bell and someone would have to come around and grab our little card and run it to radio and it's quite an experience that I am glad I never had to actually participate
2: in oh bell I think I would like a bell for us it's runner
0: yeah runner. yeah see it's the do, do, do. I, I don't know it, it seems to work at <laughs> that old console. <concept. laughs> oh man so Tell us a little bit about how you got into public safety, your journey in dispatch. Uh,
2: my brother, actually, he was starting out as a police officer. So he was like, hey, you should try dispatching. Because I was working for a roadside service company, a private company, before, and I was dispatching that. So he was like, oh, you'll probably like it. And I tried it out. I tried with Miami-Dade for a long time because I was mm-hmm. born and raised in Miami. Okay. And it never happened, one reason or the other. And my mm-hmm. brother was like, try another agency. There's others. Something like, but I want Miami. <laughs> I know it like the back of my hand. <laughs> and then I tried another agency and I got hired through them. So and I've been with them thirteen years now.
0: Awesome. So what what does your career look like? Do you do fire? Do you do police? Or what what does that look like for you?
2: Uh, for us we do We start out call-taking, and then after we do call-taking, after my first year, you get upgraded to a radio, and I ended up in law. Okay. I actually traded with one of my classmates, because I was like, I don't, I was actually slated to do fire, and I was like, I don't want to do fire. (laughs) I want law. I want where the action is. Yeah. And my classmate was like, yeah, I don't want law. You can have it.
0: Oh, so so you had to do a swap. You were like.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And then I ended up in law. And I'm, I've been here and I still like it. I like dispatching. I like taking calls because mm-hmm. even though we have our everyday stuff, every day is a new day. So mm-hmm. it's fun.
0: You know, and I always find it interesting, like, and it's one thing that I probably said on here multiple times, but I'm going to say again, when you're talking to folks who are thinking about um, getting into dispatching, it's one of those big questions. like, what do you want to deal with do you want to work at an agency that does fire medical and law enforcement does only fire medical does only law enforcement um because
2: they are so different they are and I actually think that because I do both and and I work along fire dispatchers it's I guess it's better in a way because you get to learn some stuff from them they ask us information when they're not sure in regards to calls or stuff mm-hmm. like that when it's law-based. So you, you kind of have a little bit of everything. You're not just one thing. Yeah.
0: No, I, I would imagine it's definitely helpful because I ain't going to lie. My, my fire dispatchers they frustrated me when I'm at work. <laughs> because I feel like every time I call them, they have, like, no info. They're like, yeah, I don't know. We need you guys <laughs> like – okay, no name, no, no name, no. I'm like, oh, okay. All right, we'll go too. We'll get there. And then, you know, they call they call us or we call them for something to go and they're like, they want all of it. They want like their social. Their,
1: like, yes, exactly. Who
0: we? When we ask, well, you guys don't have anything, but you want everything from from us. So. Correct,
2: Yeah. <laughs> or is it safe for us to enter? Oh, yeah, and the right. It's not on scene and we're like, but the subject's not scene. Yeah. They <laughs> still need PD to advise if it's safe to enter. And we're like, really,
0: It's one of those, I feel like it's one of those, like, um, how dispatch has a little, like, tips with, you know, patrol. I feel like fire dispatch and or fire medical dispatch and law enforcement have that little, like, tip as well. Like, yeah. man. But it's one of those things that's like, I don't know your job. You don't know my job. It's just one of those things where it's just like, the not knowing can create a little bit of frustration. Right. Yeah. All right. What would you say it was like in the beginning for you? I mean, you wanted Miami and you got another county or city that you, you might not be as familiar with. How was that early process for you?
2: Uh, it was definitely hard because Miami uh, mainly Coral Gables is where it has like uh, street names, but mainly it's numerical. So with the other county that I ended up getting hired through, they have mainly name-based streets. Mm. So I had to learn their street equivalencies, Mm. what names were what numerics. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to learn this. So geography was terrible for me starting out. Mm. But I ended up learning it either way as years of experience. And then now they mention a street. I'm like, oh, I know that street equivalency. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I know Palm is like the 100th Avenue and Flamingo is 124. Oh,
1: my God. But
2: things that you remember that you don't think you're going to remember. You're like, I'm not going to retain all of this. Because you have to learn <laughs> no. codes, signals, and
1: miracles. I'm like, oh, my God. So how bad. About
2: those uh,
0: frequent flyers' data births? And <laughs> have, you, have you had that experience where the officer's like, oh, we're out with Jilly, uh, Jilly, bean and you're like oh yeah nine seven of twenty twenty four you know like whatever (laughs) the date of birth and you just know it off the top of your head because you run them out so much have you experienced that
2: (laughs) no for teletype i'm gonna say i have not done that i think that's one thing i don't want to (laughs) do in my career i was like i don't know how you guys do that because if you find a jose luis rodriguez you're gonna be like really Man, really? let
0: me tell you, <laughs> I feel like, you know, I mean, my name is Ashley Lynn Valenzuela, but when we get those uh, two name Hispanic names, first name, Jose, you get those hits back and you're just like, oh man, <laughs> Like you really got to look, you really got to see, you know, you got to look at a second middle name, you got to really, because there's so many names that are so similar. And some people sometimes have the same date of birth and the same name and Learning to run people out, because I didn't run them at my first agency, but learning to run them out at my now agency, I mean, it was and still is a learning experience every single day. (laughs) Before we continue, we wanted to take a moment to thank our partners at Prepared. You can learn more about the awesome support and technology prepared provides to first responders by heading to prepared911.com. Partners like prepared help to continue our mission of supporting, empowering, and educating the heroes under the headset. You can learn more about our resources and partnerships by heading to the raspy
2: dispatcher.com. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, I, I, I give props to whoever does teletype. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I had one of the old school dispatchers. She was like, oh, I love it, Uh, Miss Leone. She was like, it's like playing detective. And I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) like okay
0: it's like playing detective and you're sitting in a chair that's on fire because what if they have a warrant and you're not sure and it's stressful yeah
2: you have to double check triple check i don't
0: know run them different ways you gotta run them like especially when there's two last names you have to run it with the two last names then you have to run it with the first last name and then you have to run it with the second last name, like separate, just in case it got lost in translation somewhere that they had two last names. So for us who are out there running folks out, you you are are heroes because I had no knowledge that you existed at my old agency because we had a warrants division. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> oh my God.
0: it's a tough job for sure.
1: Yes.
0: All right. Do you remember any of your early calls for service? Any of your first calls when you were just getting going?
2: I'm not going to say I remember my first call, but I do have a call that always stuck out with me where a mother killed her two kids oh, man. on the phone and she was transferred from another agency. But I got the medical call as, oh, this lady's about to pass out. And I was like, oh, it's a pass out call. Maybe. And then... As you ask the, okay, tell me exactly what happened, mm-hmm. the lady's like, I don't know. I was called here by my relative that told me to check on her tenant that was blowing up her phone, and I just came, and she's about she's outside, and she's about to pass out. Like I told the other operator, there's two kids that are not breathing inside, and I don't want to touch them, and I'm like,
0: oh, no. How do we drop that pass-along? That's like the last thing was, we should say. Forget the pass-out, lady.
2: <laughs> I was like, what? What?
0: <laughs> Oh. oh, yes.
2: That, that was not a good call. But, um, and then trying to get CPR, right? You're thinking, well, there's two kids now that you're telling me are unresponsive. Like, mm. who do you pick? Yeah. The lady didn't even want to touch them. And I was like, okay, can you get a neighbor? Can you get somebody to help you? And she was just that like, no, no, just get somebody here. Click. Oh, my and gosh. It was also interesting because at the time I had a rookie that was, they had came upstairs to sit with us to see how the calls are. Mm-hmm. So he got to experience that. So they see yeah. like the things that we have to ask and how we try to get them to do CPR on patients and mm-hmm. if they're not willing to yeah, so stuff like that.
0: And I mean, and I, again, I, I haven't done medical, I've only done, you know, police law enforcement side of things. And I guess I kind of never had the full thought about, I mean, essentially you have a suspect, um, who's in the room who could potentially be the one calling on the phone and you need to provide medical. Are you asking that suspect as if, let's say, let's say, you know, they said, Hey, I did this. They're not breathing as a medical dispatcher, And I'm sure it differs from every pol- department, but do you then try to gauge the suspect in performing CPR and assisting in that medical process or is there a change that happens with that knowledge of the situation
2: well if it's a suspect initially as a caller we do scene safety first okay so before we even try to do medical we're doing scene safety Mm. okay where it happened where are you Mm. was there a weapon involved Mm. where is the weapon Mm -hmm. then where are the victims yeah so, I mean, usually even you have, by the time you get that far, there's units usually on scene. Yeah, before yeah. Before you even get to. But rescue's not going to touch them unless, they you know, scene secure.
0: Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm trying to think. I mean, I feel like with, like, violent calls where I'm getting someone who's, like, you know, so-and-so's been shot, you know, something happened like that. I was always taught that I'm trying to get those as you said, scene safety information, like who did it, where'd they go, where's the weapon. And then, you know, we're rolling over to fire once we get kind of that scene stuff. And then we're trying to bring fire on the line. If we have someone who's willing to participate in those pre-arrival instructions. But I guess I just never thought about having the person who harmed the person on the phone, still trying to get people there and what that looks like for you folks on the medical side. If you catch that call, first, yeah. prior to law enforcement.
2: Yeah. It's different. It was definitely a different kind of call that I had, and then at the time, I had two patients. Yeah. it was kind of like, okay, we tried this, we tried that. That was nothing. So it wasn't like a weapon involved. It was, mm-hmm. uh, she had, I I learned at the time after that she had suffocated the children. So mm-hmm. it wasn't weapon involved.
0: mm mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. And I mean, that's got to be, I feel like it might be one of those, like, you, I think we all have to understand when we're doing this job that all you can do is the best you can do, right? Like try to get the person on the phone to, to assist either of them in some way. Mm -hmm. And understandably no fault of their own. They didn't want nothing to do with it. And it's kind of everyone's comfort level out in the world, right? Everyone's a little different. And I mean, I, I couldn't imagine being a stranger walking into a situation and you're like, you see two kids on the floor, mom's freaking out out front, having whatever situation she's having. And then they're, they're asking you to perform CPR and it's just like a whole, it's probably a scene overload for them.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was just like, nope, I'm not going in there. I don't know what she did to them. I'm, uh, I don't want to be involved. Yeah. It's tough. So, so, so tough.
0: Well, uh, let's transferring to transitioning to like <laughs> 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 um, you created Latinas of nine one one Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that what your mission is and and how you got there
2: uh, i I actually did it to promote and empower Hispanic women in our line of work. I feel we are undervalued and unappreciated uh, especially down here in South Florida, my, in my agency. So I kind of, after I saw 9 Wonder Woman and their platform, what they're doing, I said, listening to you. And I was like, we don't have this here in South Florida. We don't have this stuff where we talk dispatchers or we try to improve people to go up if they want to laterally and stuff like that. So that's why I wanted to try that on my own. Right now I started, it's LLC, so it's small. Mm-hmm. and hopefully with merchandise i can get some money in so i can put it in towards training or if anybody wants to move up and stuff like that and invest um i also learned for uh, the enp program which i'm going to try mm-hmm. to do the test mm-hmm. i haven't studied yet cuz i've been busy with training but after mm-hmm. this training that i have to train now on the desk i'm resigning from the program oh for political <laughs> reasons but <laughs> Also, because like I said, I, I'm trying to do other things. So I'm trying to focus on this platform right now to help others in a, I guess, in a bigger spectrum versus what I'm doing right now.
0: Yeah. it. I mean, I think it's so important. I mean, we just um, did a panel at Nina um, and one of those panelists was Drew Clark. Dominique was on it as well. And Andrea, all from Carbine. Um, And we were talking about um, authenticity in the workplace and how helpful it is to see people doing the job that reflects, you know, who you are and the the lifestyle you're living and um, the culture you've experienced. And I would imagine for folks who are trying to get into this line of work, being able to talk to someone from similar backgrounds, experiences, things that they might be concerned about that you could relate to. is going to be super helpful for folks who are wanting to learn more
2: about this line of work. Yeah, it definitely is. Especially like I said, when I hear people that say, Oh, I listened to the RASP dispatcher and it helped me a lot with my, um, with my application process and entering or your, their curiosity of what dispatching is like and listening to other people that you have and other guests and what they have to say. Mm -hmm. And since you have different years experience that come in, they see through that and they're like, Oh, that sounds cool. Or I want to do that. And they get suggestions also on how to handle calls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of the ones that I want to actually focus mainly is on mental health eventually also, Mm -hmm. because I've dealt with that because I've been here this long as well. Um, And it helps once you figure that out and identify also other coworkers that may be struggling and having the same issues that don't have someone to talk to.
0: Yeah. I mean, it goes such a long way to not feel alone.
2: It, It does, but it also comes with do I trust this person enough to mm. talk to them about it, yeah. or is it going to be gossiped about?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I reached out to Shannon Polito.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
2: Well, if me, I would tell her, I would do Polito. <laughs> and she's been amazing. Also, to reach out to and Ben, and she's very passionate also about mental well, mental health and PTSD and training in regards to that for 911 dispatchers, which is important. Mm-hmm. And we actually, actually, that's what I was telling her, is there isn't a lot of information or research on mental health when it comes to 911 call takers. Mm-hmm. And once again, it's tailored more to law enforcement and fire rescue personnel versus dispatchers. I feel like they're just now starting to talk about it, especially because they're trying to make us also be classified Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as first responders
0: yeah it really comes down to a how do we take care of ourselves and how do we create safe spaces to take care of each other because I do think that you're right if I need to feel safe to be able to share you know if I'm struggling with something if I had a tough call if it's sitting with me and if my department or the environment in the center isn't reflective of being accepting of mental health and you know dealing with PTSD and things of that nature, we're gonna be more hesitant to share our struggles. and the reality is once you share, there's someone else in the room that's felt something similar to or possibly in the future, and we we all need to be able to support each other without fear of uh retaliation like you said gossip things of that nature
2: yes and in my culture right now it's still a lot of animosity I don't feel like we root for each other mm. and I liked when Roxanne is it mm-hmm. I said Van Gundy I said yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. I heard her in her presentation say I'm recovering mean girl. And I was <laughs> like, Oh my god,
1: that is hilarious.
2: <laughs> That's me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey,
0: you know, we gotta own our stuff sometimes, you know? And,
2: and yeah. it's true though, because yeah. I I first started there, obviously I went from a call center environment to another one that was completely different, the atmosphere.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it became You know, people were like just picking at me or I felt like I was getting picked on every call that I was putting in just for because they didn't like me. They didn't like who I was. And and I was like, I'm quiet. I don't talk to anybody here. Like, what is the problem? Why am I a target?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Start working on your lateral movement so they can't get (laughs) you
1: I'm (laughs) like, what is going on?
2: So I just got better at reading policies. And my first trainer always told me they can only write you up here through black and white. So know your policies. And I now she says that. I'm a demon. She was like, <laughs> you're so annoying. Because I'm like, oh, hey. that's 30, which is for us is against policy and procedure. And they're mm-hmm. like, shut up, Josie. They're like <laughs> hey. a walking SOP.
0: Hey, man, <laughs> I'm, I'm with it. I'm all for knowing the rules of the land. And if you are listening to me, if you work with me, you know, I'm always like, well, what's the policy? Because we can, as dispatchers, get real tight about the way we do things even though it's style style versus policy all the time you want me to fix something cool show me the policy that says what i'm doing is wrong and i'll fix it now i'm down to take feedback if you think i can do something better if you know but if i just you just don't like the way i do it because it feels icky to you like yeah i'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a land on the policy know your policy it will protect you it will cover you. It's, it is what keeps us safe and it is totally, I'm all for, I'm with you. I'm with you, Josephine. Know that policy.
2: <laughs> and that is how I train now my trainees and I show them because it's the only way I tell them. And then you might have a target and mm-hmm. if you feel like you're a target, that's what's going to help you and back you up at the end of the day while you're here. <laughs> You mm-hmm. know, and then obviously I tell them if you need my help, if you need, you know, I'm always here. Yeah. So it's, it is hard. And that's why I tend to help when I need, like I could see in certain individuals when they're having a bad day or they're re- overreacting to something. Mm-hmm. Cause that's how I used to be. Like I was ang- a walking, angry person mm-hmm. at work for a long time mm-hmm. before I started going to someone and talking to someone and dealing with my depression my anxiety mm. so until i knew what was going on with me mm. and now i see it in other people and people are just like oh they're crazy oh they're just moody they're having a bad day but it comes back to that it's their mental well mental mm-hmm. health and they're not doing great right now so i'm like hey do you need something you need mm-hmm. coffee? pizza are you hungry (laughs) you need a chocolate bar (laughs) you choose Snickers, you know (laughs) and it it helps like just mm -hmm. asking them like hey how are you today like you need something let me know it helps and then after they calm down they're like you know what thank you for asking me and this Mm -hmm. is going on with me and then they want to open up and share and that's fine but Mm -hmm. we don't do that enough for each other yeah we don't Mm-hmm. because we expect us all to be strong all the time and you have to be always, you know, emotionally strong and you have to leave everything out the door. And I, in my culture, I grew up, um, it was you don't talk about it. You mm-hmm. don't talk about your feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're having a bad day, okay, you're having a bad day. Move on. Mm-hmm. Get over it. No. That's how I grew
1: up.
0: And you know what? It's so funny how, like, our – life experience, you know, brings us into, you know, what we do for a living as well, because we bring all that baggage with us, right? Like we already have a, you know, uh, a culture that historically has been that in law enforcement and any really first responder uh, position where we're like, well, you know, I'm good. I'm fine. Even though it's tearing me apart, I'm not going to talk about it. And then if you bring into it that, like, that's how I grew up too and then I go into this work environment that's reiterating how I was taught growing up, we're just going to get into this cycle of not taking care of ourselves, you know? And that's like props to you for being like, I, I need, I was feeling a type of way I went and I got my therapist. I worked on my stuff and, you know, I'm doing good. You know, we should be advocating for and openly talking about like, yeah, I go to therapy once a week. I work on my stuff. Like, it's not something we need to whisper about, you know? It's something that we need to empower everyone to participate in because it's just a nice little tune-up, you know, once a week. You don't have to wait for the big thing to happen in order to go get a little help, you know?
2: Correct.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's needed. And actually, I met with a retired sergeant from the department um we were outside with friends and you know he started talking about we care more about the dead than we do the living we don't mm-hmm. do enough for the living like by the time you check on somebody that's already gone it's too late yeah. and i and i said yeah and it's true and that's till now is when you know they're doing peer supports and agencies mm-hmm. and trying to do the uh, more mental check-ins with mm-hmm. their employees and not see it as a weakness, even for law enforcement or fire personnel. Yeah. And right. what peer support does is bring in your coworkers. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily a supervisor. It can be, but not necessarily someone that you have stuff mm-hmm. to. It could just be a coworker. Um, but again, that's it's sometimes a chosen position. It's not someone that's doing it because they want to do it. Mm-hmm. It's someone that's doing it. If you have someone that's doing it because they just want a better resume, mm-hmm. then you're doing it for the wrong reason.
0: Yeah hmm And I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, you and Latinos of 911 are gonna start diving into and starting to work on resources as well to create those environments where people can feel heard. And like you said, like everybody knows has a especially in dispatch, has a BS meter, you know, right? And like we can tell when it's phony, when it's fake, when it's, it gets it's a weird feeling in our stomach. You're just like, ah, you know, our dispatch alarm goes off. And you're right. If you're not coming with that intentionality to just be a genuine resource, shoulder, you know, for someone, they're going to feel that and they're going to feel even worse after you walk away from them, after giving them some rehearsed type of response, you know, so definitely be a peer who wants to support and not just to build a resume. I mean, it doesn't help you to take on someone's trauma if you're not really willing to try to help sort through it with them, you know? That's facts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what advice... Actually, let's let's talk about, you know, training and wellness and work culture in Dispatch. And know you wanted to talk a little bit about that. We talked a little bit about the work culture and wellness. What does successful training, in your opinion, look like for you for a new Dispatcher and for folks who are out there, a part of their CTO programs, you know, um, trying to create different ways to help these aspiring dispatchers get through training? What what does that look like for you?
2: Um, since I'm currently a communications training officer with my agency, I've kind of seen the flaws per se that we have. Even though we're APCO certified trainers, we don't go by the APCO certification. So through APCO, it shows you... Uh, different learning styles for adult learners Mm -hmm. and it goes into how you as an instructor you're the coach you're the mentor you're the cheerleader you're the evaluator with your trainee and it also states that you should be doing daily evaluations Mm -hmm. for your trainee on their Mm day-to-day so they know how they're doing just like a teacher that's grading a paper By the end of the day, you're grading that paper, and you can kind of know, okay, she's missing this SOP. She's failing address verification, or he or she is uh, failing in reassurance techniques. So you kind of see a pattern of where you need to work on with your training. Their flaws are. And they know it. And they go home, and they look at your notes, and they're like, okay, I did this wrong. I did this wrong, but I did this right. I'm doing this good. It's not also... You're just terrible because if you're only evaluating on where they're doing bad, how is that motivating them to do better the next day and the next day? If every day you're writing something negative or every week, because for us, it's a weekly evaluation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've done a lot of remedials because of the way I train. So the way I train is through APCO Mm -hmm. (laughs) certification and I do a weekly evaluation and It helps them. Every feedback that I've gotten from new hires is I like this form of training because I know what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. And I like that you encourage me. Mm -hmm. I like that you tell me this is where I need to be and this is where I need to work on. You give me other materials. You do scenarios. Mm -hmm. So you have to want to teach the person. You can't just say you have to do it how I did it and this is how I did it. and Oh, well, if you don't get it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how is that person going to want to stay? Yeah, And you have to kind of build a rapport with your trainee also. If you don't have a rapport with your trainee and you just let them sit there listening to you, looking at you, but you don't engage them during training, how -hmm. are they going to feel comfortable going to you Mm -hmm. or learning from you? Yeah. If they're getting the cold shoulder from you, For seven to eight weeks how are they going to feel comfortable
0: yeah I mean we definitely need to create those again those safe environments for people to excel especially during training because you're being critiqued so much like this is a job where when you're in training it's rough you know like you are every day constantly being judged how you ask a question how you input a call why did you write it that way I mean it's it's designed to be nitpicky, so you can gather your own style when you do get you know released out of training. But we had daily DORs in both both my training um, experiences, and it's helpful. I would say the more frequent your your reviews are, because you get overflow of so many calls, so many different things, and if you Tell me a week later, well I like last week you did that and I'm like, what are you talking what are you talking about? What call last week? I've had 400 calls since then. How am I going to remember unless you can really take me back, show me this instance where this happened, where you documented this and where the pattern is? because otherwise, like I'm just I'm trying to get through every call and learn as much as I can and it's information overload um, through our training. It's
2: just it's designed that way. Yep, and unfortunately, that's part of the reason I'm, I'm getting out is because mm-hmm. I've had remedial after remedial, and then I voiced it to management. I said, well, in their evaluations, this person, I didn't see the trainer do this in their evaluation. I didn't see the evaluator do this in their evaluation. So mm-hmm. where are they really? Like how is that telling me? What are they doing right? Yeah. Uh and it's a pattern of the same thing so it's really not a trainee issue then it becomes more of a trainer issue so if you're not correcting your trainers if you're not having why is this trainee not signing off weekly on their evaluations why is the duty officer the cto the site manager the assistant site manager the training coordinator why is everyone signing off on that except the trainee? Mm -hmm.
1: and why is that
2: okay you have all these eyes, you in the evaluation, mine a person that needs to, which is the training.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a weird setup, right? And I think sometimes the I'm re- recovering mean girl aspect of it, right, is like our centers can be really uh, toxic, especially in our CTOs and trainers because there's a – I don't know what it is, to be quite honest, but I, I've, in my experience of talking to people, of witnessing it sometimes is that – like, are you trying? Are we trying to keep our overtime secure? Because we we don't need to help people fail. The job is hard enough. If they cannot cut it, it'll show on their own without a cold shoulder shoulder or a lack of communication from the trainer to the trainee. It'll work itself out if they're not supposed to be here. As trainers, We should be trying to assist our trainees in every way possible. Like you said, doing scenarios, you know, giving them worksheets, giving them, you know, not taking the call over for them, letting them make safe mistakes. There are some situations in our line of work where we got to take over. There's some safety issues, but, you know, a typical, like, I don't know, theft call, they stole a Slurpee from 7-Eleven we we can let them fumble through it a little bit, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a life or death call. And that's just only going to help them gain that confidence for when the 211 comes in, you know, they're going to be able to handle it because they handled the Slurpee thief, <laughs> you know, the, you got to help them gain that foundation. That's a primary responsibility as a CTO.
2: Yes. So that's why I want to do more like training stuff outside. And I feel also it's not always on the trainer's fault because, like I said, sometimes writing skills we go we went so used to using abbreviations, 10 codes to do our headers that then you go to having to do your evaluations as a trainer in plain language.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And learning how to spell correctly and your grammar is this punctuation correct yeah um, right. i had help from my previous duty officer liaison and my wife which is an english major she loves mm. to correct
1: so <laughs> like, on sentence, my and fiance like,
2: works for cal berkeley we in the same boat we just
0: <laughs> we just try we just trying to get through without spell check you
1: know what i mean <laughs>
2: i'm like thanks honey yes okay Turn on sentence i'll fix it thank you uh-huh. So she proofreads my work for me. Same. Um, and it yeah, taught me she she it's has
1: like,
2: <laughs> yeah, so now she's my teacher. When I taught her, um honey can you double check this for me? She's like, oh, you're getting better when you're writing. I had to I had minimal stuff to correct. I'm like, oh, thanks, appreciate it.
0: <laughs> Michael asked me, like, "What did she say?" She's like, "Do you want feedback, or do you want, <laughs> do you want, you know, which what are you looking for here?" And I'm like, "Just, just hit me. Just hit me hard. You know, <laughs> I'll take it off. Right? I'm in, a, I'm in, a, I'm in a criticized mood. Hit me."
2: <laughs> and also, like I told Dom, it was we don't have. Um, even though the APCO course went into how to teach different kind of learners and adult learners, I said, there's no really like teaching class of how to teach or how to assist CTOs in teaching different learners. Mm. So I told her I literally had to go to Pinterest and like, I would try to figure out stuff in comprehension issues or if they were having reading issues Mm. If they had to read from their CAD and dispatching, I've had that Mm -hmm. issue, and they're like this, you know. So or they would read out of order stuff. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the stuff that was in Pinterest was great school stuff, but it worked. It would say like have them practice
1: basics. Mm -hmm. Right.
2: It would say have them read out loud before they gave out the information to themselves. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I would have a trainee on the radio side and they would read they were reading the calls over the radio, like they were just learning how to read. And I'm like, yeah. what is going on?
0: I, I remember having experience as, as a trainee, like, okay, this is what they wrote. I'm gonna read exactly what they wrote. And, uh, and sometimes that's a lot of trust in my call taker. You know what I mean? Right? I'm trusting them blindly to make sense and they might not make sense. Let's be right. honest.
2: So if you're, if you're thinking about it, you have a plethora of new call takers that are, writing stuff and some are not using proper abbreviations or they're using text abbreviations mm. and then you have a new radio trainee and they're trying to read through a new tree train- yeah <laughs> trainees <laughs> calls it's kind of like and i'm like i'm just like oh my god <laughs> so it's, oh, it takes a god. lot of patience a lot of patience a lot of dedication a lot of want to do well in the job Mm -hmm. because it's already stressful you have a lot of work and like i said if you become a trainer some people become a trainer because they want to wear the red shirt or they like i said they want to buff up their resume and they want a lateral move but it to be a trainer you have to want to do it you have to want to teach the person because if you're doing it for the wrong reasons you're not going to have success stories Mm-hmm. Bottom line, it's gonna show in your work. If you have five trainees that went through you and none of them passed, I mean there's a problem. Yeah, right? like but, who's going on. But that's what I'm saying. Management doesn't address that. So yeah <laughs> me mm-hmm. with remedial trainees. And like I said, I see people go through there that probably had great potential, but we would never know because they weren't given a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that sucks because then you invested all this time all these hours in all this training money training. all this money right. <laughs> all this but because you had them with a trainer that wasn't trying now you ha- you just wasted a bunch of money yeah so you you have to at some point want to do better as an agency mm-hmm. but it just it can't be one person trying to do the best for everybody yeah
0: No, I imagine it it would be frustrating without the support from management. And I mean, in our work environment, sometimes we have to really put the energy into the places and things that we can control, right? So like for you, you're bowing out of CTO. It's not for you right now. Maybe you'll come back to it later, but you know, you're going to put your energy somewhere else and that's totally valid. There's nothing wrong with, you know, delegating your energy as you need to delegate it, uh, you know, to make your work life and home life balance a little more equal, you know, so, you know, I applaud you uh, for being able to make that recognition and step back so you can continue to help in other ways. And I feel like there's a lot of people who are probably out there maybe feeling the same way. And, you know, I'm here to tell you it's okay to change the thing you're doing at work if you need to, because it's just another form of self-care. You know, there's always going to be a shortage. There's always going to be a reason for you to continue to wear yourself thin for whatever re- whatever the thing is, you know. But at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do for yourself. And, you know, for you and for Latinos and 911, it's going to go so much farther. You're going to be so you're going to have so much more room, you know, that to help people grow with just dropping this one thing and moving on to something else so you know I'm sure so many people appreciate you training them and helping them through the process and that doesn't go unnoticed or unappreciated but you're gonna also help so many other people you know focusing on this venture that you're going into now I'm super excited to see where it goes
2: Do you have me both like
0: <laughs> <laughs> both. It, it, it's so fun. Like the like and I and I still see myself as just kind of getting started doing all the things and t- talking to all the people and brushing all the shoulders, you know, and and when you emailed me and, you know, said that I'm one of the reasons you uh, had the idea to do this, me and I'm one. Wonder Woman, you know, Sarah, it was such an honor, like, to hear that, you know, because half the time I just feel like I'm winging myself through this thing <laughs> and holding it together with Deck Dave. I don't know what I'm doing half the time, but make it work and you learn. Um, so to hear the thing that I'm putting out there into the world is helping create more awesome things and resources for folks, um, especially, you know, the Hispanic community, people of color in general is amazing to me.
2: Yeah, it's awesome. Like, i saw him laughing about that one episode I, I heard. It was so funny. Uh, she was saying, you know, the holster sniffers out there, I was dying laughing. <laughs> I was like, the what? I told my wife, I was like, honey... Remember I talked about badge bunnies? Well, I just learned another term <laughs> that was hilarious.
0: Man, the things I learned on this show, man, I tell you.
2: <laughs> she made me laugh so hard that morning. So mm. it's good. It's a good pastime also, you know, before you go to work, you listen to you. It's It's amazing. Oh, man, you'll make me blush
0: again. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we start, you know, coming to the end of this and, you know, talking about your career, helping folks uh, as a CTO, and now moving on to another passion where you're going to be able to help more dispatchers. What advice would you give someone who is considering a career in dispatch?
2: I say don't do it for the money. This Mm -hmm. job should not be taken lightly. There's a reason we have a turnaround rate. Mm -hmm. It's not a job that's easy to manage home life and work. Mm-hmm. so just make sure it's the right job for you awesome such good advice josephine thank you
0: so much for coming onto the show with me where can people find you follow you what socials are you on you have a website all that good stuff
2: yes i have latinas of 91.com and i'm also in a Facebook group I have, Latinas of 911, also there, mm-hmm. and in Instagram I have Latinas of 911 as well.
0: Awesome! And I'll put all that information in the information section of the episode as well for folks to connect with you, follow you, um, reach out to you, all that good stuff. And I wish nothing but growth and continue uh, continued helping of our dispatch community for you and Latinas of 911.
2: Thank you, Ashley. Look forward to working with you in the future again. Awesome. I'll be right back with you. Okay. All right, everybody. That was another wonderful
0: episode of Let's Talk Dispatch. Again, Josephine, thank you so much for your service for your dedication to helping aspiring dispatchers through that training process and ultimately creating Latinas of 911, which you can check out at latinasof911.com as well as on Instagram and the Facebook page and really connect with, her putting out all this great information and resources for dispatchers because there is enough room for all of us. Anyone who is out there trying to get information, trying to get resources to folks, I, I want to talk to you. I want to put your platform out there for folks to connect with because anything that's positive and anything that's preaching, you know, more uh, mental health awareness, more awareness for this this career of dispatching, we need to hear about it. So like, subscribe, tell a friend. If you're interested in being a guest, head to theraspydispatcher.com. And until next time, everybody, stay raspy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk Dispatch, a Raspy Dispatcher production. If you like the podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a five-star review, and of course, tell a friend. If you want to be a guest, head to theraspydispatcher.com and check out our additional resources. Until next time, stay raspy, everybody.